All right. Welcome back to World Strong's Opinions. This is episode 17. Uh, special guest today is Ollie Clark. Uh, kind of new to the scene of uh, U105 Strongman. Um, he's a winner of the under 23 Britain Strongest Man, Youngest Man on Channel 5, uh, UK Strongest Man, and world record holder in all three lists in uh, the 15 to 16 year old category, powerlifting. Uh, again, Ollie Clark, welcome to the show, man. Really glad to have you on. Thank you guys for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, welcome. And and as we as we always do at the start start of our shows, uh, we play. Uh, well, actually, I shouldn't say always. We didn't last time. We skipped it for a special session last time. But um, we like to play games on our on our show to get things started. Uh, trash or treasure? Um, have explained the rules before, right? I'm just going to say uh, a lift or uh, a piece of equipment, something along those lines. We're going to trash or treasure and kind of just discuss and have a little fun about why why we think. Uh, they are trash or treasure. So if we're ready to go, uh, the first one up is uh, grip shirts. Ollie. I would say, well, I'd say it depends, but I'll go for treasure. Okay. John? I personally consider them a treasure. I know that a lot of people don't like them, but it's nice to like have, if you're allowed to have it. If yeah. You, if you have to wear one of your shirts, then it's like, yeah, I I will wear them if they're allowed, <laughs> but I think they're total trash. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think if you're allowed, then they, they can be good. But if it was up to me, I'd ban them from every pump. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I say trash just because I don't like them. I mean, they obviously do a lot. They're very beneficial, right? Um, but, but to me, they're like too beneficial. Yeah. They like if I don't train with a, a grip shirt and then I put it on like a log clean, I almost take my head off almost every time because I've trained without it. I know how to clean a log, and I kind of feel like if you know how to clean, you know, a log or an axle, you don't need a grip shirt. It's just it's totally superfluous to anything you need. Uh, see, I, I hate them. I think they're just they're just overkill to the next level of cheat. Yeah, <laughs> I think especially on log cleans as well, like you say. Sometimes they can even get stuck to your toys. You're trying to clean it, and it will just mess the whole lift up. So yeah, I'm not not a fan. Yeah. So you so you change your vote to trash, Ollie? Yeah, I would say I would say trash overall. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, I think it's a nuanced thing because I think they're so effective that like it's a treasure for like getting the lift up, but like yeah. it's a lot. It's kind of like in a way of like if at a powerlifting meet suddenly out of nowhere they're like you can use figure eight straps if you want to it's like that defeats the whole purpose of the thing like it's definitely yeah. different feel it is funny though watching people occasionally wear grip shirts when they're trying to clean sandbags and it just like the grip shirt stops it so it's just this awkward like yep that's always a bit funny to me when i'm like because i've seen a few people do that and i'm like ooh, that's a bold move wearing a shirt that's holding the bag down a bit yeah like, yeah. So I think that's the mix of like, it's a treasure for like how effective it is, but it's like, should it be used in comp? Like, probably not. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, Strongman is for cheating. So, cheat <laughs> <laughs> everything. Um, all right. So I think, I think I was two to one trash <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> I mean, and it's getting crazy. Now there's grip shorts too. It's like, do we need to have like an entire suit of armor to compete? I, I don't know. <laughs> so this next one is uh, kind of in the same vein. Uh, neoprene warm pants. Ollie. I would say, I would say treasure. Yeah, I, don't, I personally don't think they really add anything. I think they'll just kind of make you feel, feel sturdy and feel right. So I would say treasure, yeah. Okay. John? Yeah, I like how they feel and everything. They're a nice little like comfortable. It's, it's mainly just compression. It's kind of like knee sleeves, but for your thighs. So, yeah. yeah, I oh, so I yeah, I'm a, I'm again. I hate them. <laughs> I absolutely hate them. Like, it, they just create a swamp in your in your in your shorts, man, in your ass. And you, it's like every time I've ever worn them, like I get these just giant pimples on my ass. Yeah. I, I hate them. Yeah, yeah. I do prefer general normal skins, like normal. Uh, Thermal skins instead of them. For sure. 
So, John, any other thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of like, I do like how they feel, but I don't like them for extended use. Like, that's the thing is I would break them out for something specific, but it's kind of like the inconvenience factor of trying to take them off because they're not like knee sleeves where you can just slide them off. Like, right. that's what creates kind of a mixed bag. But I like the feel occasionally and everything. Yeah. But I 100%, I don't know how people like, I've seen people wear them at like eight to 10 hour events. Oh. I'm like, that sounds miserable. Yeah. To me, it's a lot like squat briefs. Like you put them on for what you need them for, then just take them off. But they are easier than squat briefs to take off. So that's a point for them. Yeah, so, I I refer to them colloquially as uh, swamp shorts. So <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Swamp shorts. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't know. I guess I guess two to one was treasure on those. Yeah. <laughs> um. The, the next one is a power pole. Ollie. A power pole. Yeah. So I think uh I, I think it's Donna Moore who famously has the picture of the it's like the big the big pagan cock walking around. <laughs> right? yeah. 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 Um I'd, it's a tough one. I'll probably say trash. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say trash. I feel like it's one of those inventions to like, they're like, oh, it trains a specific thing. Like it helps you stay upright. It helps you do all these things. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like it, there's probably better things you could get that train the same thing. So it's a lot like front squat harnesses, not a fan of those either. I'm like, you can, you can train that without buying some crazy piece of metal equipment. Yeah. They do look goofy as hell, though, too. Having the weight just hang out from this pole that's, like, three feet from you. It's just, like, I guess for the meme, it's kind of like the shake weight, like, depending on how you look at it. That's where I'm leading, man. I'm leaning towards the meme. It's treasure because of the meme value. (laughs) (laughs) The meme value is is invaluable. It's priceless. Um, I mean... The fact that that was ever invented is just, I mean, mind-bogglingly hilarious. I don't, I don't know. And then, I don't know, it just looks, it looks just amazing when people use it. I mean, how can you not just have a laugh? I, I don't know. Yeah, but it's, it's, uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, it's pretty much pointless other than the mean value. But I got to go with treasure just because of the mean value. Any other thoughts, Ollie? <laughs> No, I, I agree with you. I think um, it's definitely a spectacle to look at. But yeah, <laughs> other than that, I'd probably uh, probably trash it. Yeah, John, you're still. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's kind of like on the fence now because I'm like, you make a good case for that. Like, it is goofy and everything, but I would say it's hard because you have to pick trash or treasure. It's like I wouldn't spend money on it, but I think it's right. funny invented. So it's like maybe we can call it the pocket treasure. Like, how valuable is that? <laughs> it's not too <laughs> valuable. Like, I wouldn't spend money on it. But like, if someone was like, right. "Hey, I have a free power pole," I'd be like, "I guess I'll just like try it out, do walks down the street with it, just a kettlebell hanging off the end." I'm like, I'm straining my stability here. Yeah, <laughs> People would be like, "Can you just do front squats or anything else that trains upright stability?" Like, yeah. On one hand, I'm 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 really yeah. I mean, it was actually Bogopol who I think invented it, right? Um, I, I'm so I'm like I'm so happy it was invented, but on the other hand, I would never <laughs> spend any money on. It. All right. Um, I don't know if there was a consensus on that, but maybe a pocket treasure. We'll roll with that. <laughs> pocket treasure. That's like that's like the best term that's ever come out of trash or treasure. Pocket treasure. Um. All right. Uh. Belt cleans. Ollie. Um. I'm gonna say treasure on this one. Yeah. I would say treasure, and that's really just because of uh. I'm a lighter guy now, rather than being open as competitor anymore. It does uh definitely help when you haven't got that stomach there to get the ledge. Yeah, for sure. John. As someone who's not a super heavyweight, they're definitely a treasure. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone I know who hates them, they're like, 
I don't know why you need it. And I'm like, you have this shelf that you can just sit there with for a while, like catch your breath and then just bounce yeah. it up. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, treasure. I mean, for so many reasons, again, meme value was huge. <laughs> so it gets points for meme value. But yeah, um, I'm biased because the when, when Clash, when Anthony Furman originally allowed them for the online qualifiers in 2021, my knee was so jacked up that there was no way I could have cleaned without the belt clean. Like it, it, it was everything for my qualifiers. So I'm a little, I'm a little biased, but, uh, but yeah, I don't, at the end of the day, you know, I think, you know, I, I think about them like grip shirts. I hate them because they're too much, but then belt cleans are like ultra cheap. I don't know. Uh, but I think they're a treasure for, for the lighter guys, for sure. You don't have the power belly, that and 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 at the end of the day, I mean, a continental clean's not very athletic anyhow, so I don't think it's worth splitting hairs over. Yeah, yeah, and I think you're always going to be able to wear a belt at any kind of Congrady event. So it's not like a, a grip shirt, like you say, where it's something totally different you're throwing in there. Everyone always can wear a belt, so it's just using it a little bit. To your yeah, advantage. yeah. I mean, cleaning a, an axle with a grip shirt is just—it's just silly. I mean, it's basically the same thing. Only, I mean, even a little bit more advantageous because you can certainly much easier in a much easier fashion get the bar higher, right? And it's not going anywhere. Yeah. So yeah, I think uh, so. I think we all agree on treasure on belt cleans. Yeah, and to be fair, like the whole point, like when weightlifting belts were first used, the whole utility for them was to help clean the weight. And everything it wasn't like this huge like stability thing like partially stability but like originally they were like that's how you clean you do belt clean yeah. i also i feel like back in the day maybe there were a bit less super heavy weights but like <laughs> might be a controversial opinion that people have just gotten heavier, so, no, so, so you know the continental clean started um i think the germans were doing it in very early uh olympic lifting and it was and it was banned because it wasn't athletic enough. That's like literally the the reasoning behind it. I'd be curious if they built cleaned all those years ago. I'm pretty sure because I'm pretty I'm pretty sure the belt started out specifically. Most people they were like, oh, it makes cleaning easier. So yeah. like originally belt cleans were the thing, and then people they were like, oh, it's not nearly as cool. <laughs> we need to look into that. Uh, that would be a, a great history lesson for belt cleans for the justification of belt cleans <laughs> um all right so treasure on belt cleans sumo deadlifts ollie sumo deadlifts uh i'm gonna say treasure and that's just because i like to use them as an assistance um like a piece of assistance but in terms of comparing it to an actual conventional deadlift then i would say trash if you know what i mean Okay. John? Yeah, I would say they're, um, yeah, I think it definitely is a helpful accessory movement. And it actually requires way more mobility than you would think. Like my sumo is actually not better than my conventional because I just can't get into a good position for it to be comfortable. So I think oftentimes people look at like the goofiest, like the meme lift of like your toes touching the plates, like zero range of motion, but some of the best sumo pullers out there, like Jamal Browner, his sumo and his conventional are just like, it's a three inch difference. Like, cause his feet actually aren't out that wide. So I don't know. I think it can be, it's a treasure. We'll defend it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, I've often had a hard time comparing it to to uh, conventionals because it is a little bit of a different lift. But um, I think it is a treasure. I mean, especially from the assistance perspective. But also you've got, uh, and I know this is going to be a never-ending uh, argument and debate in powerlifting specifically, which is better. But, you know, sumo's getting a bad rap now because they're dominating the deadlift. And everybody's saying, well, it's a shorter range of motion. But the fact is, it's not even not that long ago, the conventional deadlift dominated the deadlift in 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 powerlifting. And it was assumed that that was the the uh, uh, superior deadlift because of that. Now sumo is dominating. So I, I kind of have a hard time with the uh, 
with the argument that that one is really better than the other. I don't I don't think that there is that much of an advantage to sumo. Um, I think you just have some really powerful sumo deadlifters that have have come to the scenes recently and are proving that it that 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 uh, they can pull a lot of weight with that over conventional. And plus, Jamal Browner, um, uh, is it Sean Hunt? Those guys have like insane, insane conventional deadlifts also. And a lot of times people are like are trashing on on these guys pulling sumo when their conventional is still stronger than the people that are trashing on them. So I, I got to go with Treasure. I mean, it's clearly proving very beneficial for the guys that are dominating and powerlifting right now with sumo deadlift. And I really think I, I really want to see sumo in in uh, strongman. And, and I'm not sure. I haven't looked into it yet, but it seems like either. I don't know. There's been some rumors that there might be a sumo deadlift that clash. I don't know <laughs> this year. Yeah, I've been seeing everyone doing them and everything. I was like, I think, I think, I mean, at this point, I mean, so many conventions have like the Ukrainian deadlift. That's basically a sumo. There's the new one, the lever thing. People like starting at that end and you go like, yeah, it's yeah. heavier and yeah. heavier. So I think more and more you're going to have to train it because if you don't have a good Ukrainian deadlift setup and 100% of you don't have one of those little staggered deadlift things, training sumo is probably your best bet for training that similar movement. Yeah. So I think I think it's coming around. So they're literally doing sumo already, just not calling it sumo. <laughs> it's, it's the word It's the word that, that, that Strongman's afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> it's from the years of memes over the years, isn't it? Just... Uh... <laughs> diminished yeah exactly that's odd and i mean really you sumo deadlift a, an atlas stone too i mean more or less right <laughs> yeah that's it i'm sure Zercher's basically a sumo your arms are inside your legs so absolutely well it depends on it depends on style you watch canby he goes outside of his legs right i'm pretty sure he does no he actually does that he puts his hands right in the center no so canby doesn't i think i'm really one of the few that does that Actually, maybe we have to relook at it. Yeah, yeah, I think Camby goes outside his legs, but I think most people maybe go inside. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, sumo. It seems like sumo just has like the the term. The name has the bad rap. It's not the actual yeah. lift; it's the name. If we just name it something else. All is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just I did. All right. Well, uh, I think we all agree that sumo deadlifts regardless of what they're called, are beneficial and treasure. Um, all right, next, last one. Last one here. Basque stone loading. Ollie. I'm going to say treasure. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good test of strength. It's good to look at. Um, yeah, definitely, I'll go treasure. Yeah, John? Yeah, I was just watching Martins do it and everything, and it's, it's impressive. In general, I'm a fan of like any sort of uplifting. Generally, a fan. So I'll say treasure. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm a huge, huge fan of Basque stone loading, and I think I think Basque stone loading should be in strongman. Also, I, and it actually surprises me that that you know strongman's been around for I don't know what is it now forty plus years, almost forty five years. I don't know if Basque stone loading's ever been in a strongman competition. I don't. I don't yeah, know. I don't think it has. You would have thought it'd be like one of the originals, like the Husafo, that kind of stuff, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, I mean, these guys, like, so, you know, Bass Stone Loading has a few different um, types of stones and, and things that they do, right? They have natural round Atlas stones. Um, they're complete, as far as I understand, they're, they're carved out. They're not, they're not poured. Um, and so they do a lot of stone to shoulder and, this crazy shit where they roll it around their neck, you know? Uh, but, but what we see is like the, the rectangular um, stones that have kind of, I mean, there's levers on them or handles, but the world record Basque stone to the shoulder is 329 kilos, man. Jeez. It's fucking insane. Kilos. <laughs> that when you said 329, I was like, okay, like that's, that's a pretty big stone. 329 kilograms to the shoulder. Yeah. Um, there, there's something going on in the Basque region that that <laughs> is is not getting enough attention, in my opinion. 
And I mean, you watch Martins. I mean, he just did a 200 kilogram and, and I mean, granted, he's, he's kind of new to it, but I mean, here's the world's strongest man, rogue invitational winner. And, and he's kind of struggling a little bit with that weight. And I mean, that's still another 129 kilograms less than the world record. So uh, there's a really great documentary if you've never watched it. And I, I'm probably going to screw this up, but it's called uh, Lavantadores, I think, is the documentary by Rogue. I think you can watch it for free on YouTube. I've watched it and it covers all the vast stone loving. It's freaking amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I can't believe that Strongman has never capitalized on this. <laughs> Yeah, because Rogue has the whole series of like different stone loading and stuff. Yeah, there was like Usfel, which the Iceland one, and then they talk about some like other countries. But yeah, that Basque stone stone loading was crazy. Yeah, huge, huge treasure in the strength world, in my opinion. I, I mean, it's phenomenal what those guys are doing. So cool. Yeah. I think I think we uh, we agree there. Um, Good stuff, man. I, I freaking love this. I love Trash or Treasure, man. It's uh, it's always a good time. It's always a good conversation um, to have a little fun with. But let's uh, let's turn our attention to, to Ollie. Um, what's I mean? First of all, I mean, I know you're a strength coach. Um, you spend a lot. Is that what you do full time? Yeah, that's what I do full time. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I mean, that's that's awesome. So that gives you really a lot of. Uh, a lot of flexibility in your training, I'm sure. I mean, you're kind of living it every day. Um, you know, do you think that that's kind of partially, um, how do I want to word it? Like, do you, do you find that to be really beneficial to you, to your ability to compete and be uh, the most effective athlete possible? And the reason I ask is, you know, like myself, I competed for over 14 years and, you know, I worked in like uh, industrial uh, environments. I worked a lot of hours and still trying to put that all together. And I often kind of wonder, you know, I've never put myself in, in the shoes of a coach, you know, is that more beneficial do you think than, uh, you know, having another full-time job that does that give you an advantage? Yeah, I, I would say 1000%. Um, I kind of, luckily for me, I started so young. I always kind of knew the way I wanted to go. So I was able to kind of plan what I want to do for work around that. And obviously, I wanted to go with my passion. So learning about strength, strength coaching was the clear place to go. But because it's all online, um, it helps so much of competitions like traveling to OSG or traveling to Clash and being there. Because I'm from the UK, I'll often stay there a bit longer to make the most of it. So being able to work out there, still speak to clients all the time, do check-ins and that kind of stuff, just schedule-wise really helps. And the same thing with just general day-to-day -day training, being kind of on your own schedule and allowing yourself to prioritize the time you train and, and that kind of stuff around your work. And it really does help, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be amazing to have that kind of flexibility. <laughs> kind of, oh. One of the things that I've, I've always struggled with, uh, I've certainly, right, is being able to have to work around work and, and having tight schedules and whatnot. So yeah, huge, that's awesome. Um, what's, uh, kind of what's on the, uh, schedule for the future for you as far as competitions? Yeah. So <clears throat> for this year, um, my plan is to push under 105s, but also the juniors. So I'm 22 at the moment is juniors is under 23. Um, so my plan for this year is to win under 23 UK strongest man again, and then do as well as I can at Worlds. Um, but the main thing as well is under 105, Britain's strongest man. I want to win that competition. I also want to, they've got, um, I think they're going to bring Europe's strongest, like official strongman games, Europe's this year as well. They had it a few years ago, but it, I'm not sure why it went away for a little bit. So I think they're bringing that back, which I'd really like to do well at. Um, and then the same with Worlds towards the end of the year. And when you say World, do you mean OSG? OSG Wells, that's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, I was kind of wondering, um, I remember that that year, that OSG Europe's, and I was kind of wondering what happened to that. Yeah, I'm not really sure, because they did it, I think, for a couple of years. It might have been the COVID situation, and then just not bringing it back yet, or something like that. But I hear that they're, they're going to bring it this year. Yeah. Nice. Um, John, I don't, I don't yeah. want to... 
talk, no. do all the talking if you have questions to ask, yeah. ask you. No, I was saying, because I was surprised, especially if, like, since OSG, they've been talking about how it's, like, the way to get to Giants Live and stuff. You'd think they'd be focusing on the Europe version as well, just because it is much harder for athletes to make it across the pond, unless you're working full-time as a coach and everything. So are all your athletes mostly online, or do you do in-person coaching as well? Yeah, so at, right now, um, everyone's online. I, I did have a little gym for a bit, um, for about a year or so. I've just got out of it, and that was really the same reason. I just wanted to have that flexibility. Um, it was kind of taking up a bit too much of my time. And the way I see it right now for me is – because I, I want this so bad and to do as well as I can in Strongman so bad, I would rather put all my eggs in that and and really just hone in and focus on my training and that being my main priority with, with everything. Um, so, yeah, I, I stepped away from the in-person coaching and moved more towards just being online. Um, I am, however, going to be opening up some group Strongman training sessions, um, but that's just a little a little bit on the side. That makes sense because essentially, I mean, once you own a gym, like you've experienced it, that essentially you're a small business owner and now you have to take care of like an actual physical structure. You have to think of like opening, taking care of all these things. And essentially you're taking on a full-time job, like no matter how you manage that gym, unless you have very limited hours and stuff, like it's going to be an endeavor and everything, but also when did you first realize that you were strong? Because you're fairly young, but it sounds like you've been doing this for a decent amount of time, at least seven years. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like. <laughs> I've been training for eight. So I first, my whole journey started because as a kid, I was really overweight and fat and then I was bullied because of it. So I wanted to lose weight and I was young at the time. I was in, we call it primary school. So I was about nine or 10 years old. And I decided, like, because I was being bullied, I wanted to lose weight. So I didn't really have a clue how to lose weight. I just thought, you don't eat. So I just started eating less and less. Um, but I got so addicted to it and addicted to losing weight. And it became more and more of an obsession. And this happened probably over the space of two years um, to the point where I was like in hospital, seeing counsellors, because I developed anorexia, I, I really bad anorexia and like my whole my whole mindset at such a young age as well was just me messed up really. So um, seeing the counsellors, to be honest, didn't really help too much. It never really solved any problems. But what did was joining a gym when I was 11 and being able to actually start lifting weights and seeing myself progress and building muscle and actually building like that self-confidence. Um, and from that, I never had plans to want to compete, but from building, getting stronger, being 11, I signed up for my first competition at 13. Um, and I did, I remember it was a British record at the time for the weight class. And it was like a 100 kilogram bench press or something, 13. And I, when I did that at my first comp, I was just hooked and buzzing ever since. So from 13 to 17, um, I competed in powerlifting. And it got to the point where I every comp I was kind of, breaking world records and stuff because I was at the top for my age class and uh, I just wanted like a new challenge. So at 17, I decided to sign up for my first strongman comp and just been hooked ever since. That makes sense. That's good to hear. Because also, I think I'm glad that you overcame like the eating disorders and stuff because I think we don't necessarily, at least here in the US, we don't necessarily teach healthy relationships with food very much, especially at a young age. Like people are just like, either you hear, you're like, oh, you just eat less. Like if you're fat, it's because you ate too much, which there's no explanation of like what you do on the side. Because I think we just, I watched um, Gym Life Media, Joe was talking about, there's some study that came out that said like for overweight kids, you should consider like medication and surgery. Like they're saying that some kids now, they actually gave them pills to like suppress their appetite or pills that make food taste terrible. So you just don't want to eat. And I was like, I feel like we skipped a few steps there for kids. Like to yeah, essentially I, go from like eating too much and then. Yeah. That's yeah. That's ridiculous. I think there should be definitely as in place in education systems, they should have it on nutrition and food. Like 
they teach maths and they teach you about all these equations and stuff you need to learn, which you never actually use later in life in general. But actual education on nutrition, how to diet and learning about macros and kind of stuff. I think that's what's needed, especially with the generation we're in. Yeah. Well, I mean, I use math a lot. But I mean, Darren's mentioned it too, though, of like how many people say that like dieting is miserable or you can't eat good food or you can't do this, like you can't well, eat I what think, you want. I think you're, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of nuances there. There's a lot of facets. Um, you know, and I wish I, I need to go and read that, that uh, the article again that I read that, that, and, and get this doctor's name. But part of that research, um, one of the, the pre, the, uh, I think he was one of the primary uh, research leads, this doctor, he actually says in there that, and, and this blows my fucking mind that this was ever said, is that there's too much emphasis, too much emphasis by society on diet and exercise for weight loss. This is literally what they're like. They're actually campaigning against it at this point in favor of, of pharmaceuticals. It's, it's lunacy. But at the same time, you know, my wife is a teacher and she's always kind of got the other perspective that I don't think we ever think about either is that, you know, these children if they're growing up in a home with obese parents, they're going to have, they're going to adopt the habits and the behaviors of the parents. And, and, you know, you can't, the children are kind of the victims in this, right? And so um, unless the parents take it upon themselves to change, right? The child is still kind of uh, exposed to that. And, and so, I'm not saying that I agree with with pharmaceuticals, but I mean exercise and diet nutrition should be certainly emphasized in school, in primary school, and and beyond. Um, but but at the same time, you have to kind of think that you know these children may not have an alternative in their in their life that their parents aren't aren't helping either, right? So I think there's probably, unfortunately, at this point. Uh, uh, a need for both, but you know, as a society, as you know, across the world, we need to start emphasizing diet and, and exercise more, and start, uh, you know, changing the culture that has created this obesity epidemic in the first place. Definitely, yeah. Because I think, I mean, also, whenever people talk about diet, too, of like, there's a lot of inaccurate information or this idea that like. You have so many people that are like, oh, to lose weight, like cut out meat, cut out cheese, cut out like all these things. And you're like, for most people, if you're talking about calorie rich and nutrition, nutritionally dense food, meat and dairy is like paramount there. So on one side, you have people who either are not hearing enough or the only thing they're hearing about proper diet is like, oh, you need to eat more salads or whatever. And it's like, in reality, for the average person, you can get a carton of 36 eggs at Walmart for even with inflation, it's still cheaper than most prepared meals are and everything. But if you have a systemic campaign that says, hey, kids, you want to lose weight, eat this impossible burger, eat the salad, eat these things that, of course, companies are making hand over fist profits. So you have pharmaceutical companies on one hand saying, buy our medicine to save money or to lose weight. And then you have like companies being like, Hey, spend 12 bucks on a gourmet salad. And you're like, there's no new, there's not very much nutrition there. So I think it's a challenge, especially, I mean, for young people, especially if all you're seeing is information from the internet and everything, it can be hard to get like accurate information yeah. and stuff. Cause how was your diet growing up as a kid then Ali, or what was like things like growing up there? Yeah, generally, just growing up, I'd eat like what a normal a normal kid would eat. I say normal, just like you know, cereal for breakfast, and then sandwiches and some crisps for lunch, or something like that, and then just like a dinner with your family, like spaghetti bolognese pizza or something. But when you know, when you're a kid and people grow at certain times and that kind of stuff, you always your body composition is always changing. But I think, like we said, if if there was something in place where there wasn't 
all this contradicting information you see online and you could actually learn the basics and the staples while you're in school, then that will prevent so much of these issues happening later in life or, or while you're growing up. Yeah. So it's, it is, it's, it's bizarre to me that there's so, so little emphasis on, on health. I mean, I mean, it's not just school, right? I mean, I mean, even when, you know, we experienced this whole COVID pandemic across the world, uh, I think most, most governments, not all, um, I know Finland specifically encouraged their uh, citizens to get out and exercise more and be healthier because there was an understanding that, that uh, people that were, were healthier and, and exercising regularly withstood the virus better. But, you know, I think in a lot of countries, specifically here in the United States and Canada, I know, um, I mean, there was anything but an emphasis on exercise. Again, it's, it's almost like we, there, there's forces trying to steer us away from this healthy uh habits and behaviors and and you know i don't i don't know i mean it's going to be up to you know the the citizens themselves to really start uh pushing this message and kind of combating the misinformation i think that unfortunately continues to be disseminated from from governments and in government agencies for whatever their agendas are so. yeah How's the it like in the UK going through all that? Did that impact like for your clients? Do you see how is everyone impacted by just the general COVID measures that took place over the past few years there? If as long as you don't get in trouble for I don't know how people feel about yeah. things there. I know people it's there, a very world's strongest opinions, man. You've got to say what's on your mind. It doesn't matter what people think because you know, you're not going to please everybody. Some people are going to agree and some people are going to disagree no matter what we say, right? Sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think, um, to be honest, now, the situation now, really, where I'm from and where I'm, the people are around me, everyone's sort of forgotten about it. Like, it's just um, happened and then it's just moved on. It's pro I don't know, it's probably similar for you guys. Like, gyms are now totally back to normal. I think a lot of people's mindsets have changed, though. Like, a lot of people... They don't want to go to work. They want to work at home instead because they're so used to that. A lot of people got home gyms while they was in the lockdown. So a lot of people were just training at home. They're not even got going to the gym anymore. Um, so, yeah, I think for the most part, it's just like it's never happened. Um, but, yeah, a few little bits have changed here and there. How about you guys? Yeah, it's very much the same here, I think. There's a lot of, like, kind of just trying to forget that it all happened. For yeah. most people, I think there was that like, I we were lucky that we we're in Texas, so Texas opened up pretty quickly and everything. But I remember it just being a surreal experience to hear like we're closing down the trails here in Austin. They were closing down some outdoor places, and I was like, wait, like somehow you're telling me that like strip clubs and liquor stores are still open, but like you can't go to the gym. It was just kind of strange to like. I guess like that's the weird part is we've kind of all gone back to normal, but there still hasn't been this idea that 80% of deaths could have been prevented by physical activity or proper diet or like going outside and everything. There isn't this like emphasis that like, yes, it was a pandemic, but it was much worse than it could have been if we had just been a healthier society, like in a healthy, stable society, it wouldn't have even appeared on any radars. I'm pretty sure. And everything but yeah i know well, darren's in colorado which was kind of similar uh well colorado's kind of I, I don't know colorado handled it sort of okay i mean it was you know by county really what how their response was but but yeah i mean i think for the most part yeah everybody's kind of went back to normal but but i i guess i run in a circle that is very still is still very aware of what happened and is is very alert to all the new research that's coming out that that's sort of proving, like i don't want to get political on here but you know that's really kind of proving what a lot of the conspiracy theorists were saying so uh yeah i think uh i, I don't think it should be ignored <laughs> like we need that we need to talk about what happened and make sure that it doesn't happen again i mean um you know that the response is actually more appropriate let's put it that way like, I think the response was, was horrible. It caused so many problems throughout society. 
um, you know, the early childhood development with, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, like the five to eight year old children being locked down, masked, uh, is, I think is creating, I think we're seeing the after effects now, the behavioral issues in schools, but, but yeah, uh, we're kind of getting we're kind of getting off track here, I think. But <laughs> it, is, it is like you say, like people have kind of like pretended nothing's happened, but you have got to look at it and think all of these like effects are now happening because of it, and <clears throat> it's frustrating as well. I don't know what your guys' views are on COVID and on the situation of lockdown, but it's frustrating for people who don't necessarily agree from the start with all of the restrictions and shutting down the gyms and all of this kind of stuff, how people were so on board with everything the government was saying right from the beginning. And then now it's like people have opened their eyes and they're, they're totally against it all. But right at the start, they was, they was all for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I was too. I, at, an, at, at the very start, nobody knew what was going on. Right. Uh, there was, uh, there was a lot of fear and panic. And I think it, you know, the initial response was, you know, we, we probably need to do something, but then as, as time went by and, and everything that they were saying was, was wrong over and over and over and over again, like you start questioning it. And, uh, and yeah, I, I mean, that, that whole period in time is going to, I think going to, uh, be a topic of conversation for a very, very long time. And I don't know that we're going to ever know truly uh, never. I don't know if we'll ever truly know the, the entirety of the truth of the matter <laughs> yeah. of, of what, what the real consequences were. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, such a, such a tragic period, I think in world history altogether, and it's going to end up, and there are a lot of ramifications from, from the responses. Um, you know, just right down to it. I mean, we're, we're going right, circling right back to what John had said about this new research with the drugs to combat, um, obesity. We've, we've in the United States specifically, we've, we've taken this stance or, or against almost like it's against diet, nutrition, exercise in favor of drugs. And, you know, it, it looks like this is just a perpetuation of that that trend and it's unfortunate that that here specifically you know i can't speak for other countries ollie you certainly can for the uk but um that that we are not there's almost from the top down an adamant refusal to to talk about the benefits of exercise and, and nutrition like it's just it's mind-boggling and i think it is kind of an after effect of of COVID because because they it, it, they pushed a drug here specifically instead of exercise and diet. Yeah, it's, and I think as well a lot of people's mindsets in general, compared to years ago, how they are now, is just generally quite lazy, and people want that quick fix, and so they'd rather just go for the drug or go for the something that's going to quickly help them without doing any kind of anything hard, any kind of hard exercise, dieting. They want the easy option all the time. It's that kind of society now, which I don't think is right at all. Yeah. I, I, hopefully, I think some people are waking up. That was another thing I was going to ask you. Did you pick up more clients throughout this? Have you seen like normal people kind of want to try to do something better with their fitness or what's your experience been like that? Or did you kind of stay stable with clients? Yeah, yeah. To, to be honest, I was... Um, there was a few loopholes in uh, in the UK in lockdown to be able to train and train people so you could do it outside within certain distances and things like that. So I would always, throughout pretty much the whole lockdown, I was training clients. Um, and yeah, I would say, for me, I've kind of shifted in my whole business where I, I began training general people wanting to build muscle, get stronger. Now I'm more just athletes, powerlifting athletes and strongman athletes. So I've kind of changed who I'm aiming at, but I think in general, people people are wanting to um, set targets and get healthier. In, well, that's what I've found, yeah. 
That makes sense. Cause we, uh, Darren and I actually recently had a discussion about like that difference of like training athletes versus training the general population and everything. So you'd say now you prefer focusing on like experienced athletes or people who are trying to do more sports specific training. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but, um, I find it frustrating as a coach when, <clears throat> when you tell you obviously you've worked, worked hard, finding some of the plan, working everything out. And then not every lifestyle person, some of them are amazing and, and most of them will stick to everything a hundred percent, but you do get a lot of lifestyle people that just won't, um, won't want to work as hard as people that are, have set goals like athletes, powerlifters, strongmen, particularly that have set goals, set targets. Those are the kind of people who I like to work with just because of their mindset really as well. Yeah. It's kind of one of the reasons, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that I don't actually do coaching, but that's one of them because <laughs> it, it is, it's super frustrating. Um, and I mean, even find that sometimes it, it, not everybody's going to be as committed as, as we are. Right. Um, and I think that was, that was a hard part for, you know, me trying to coach us is, is separating my aspirations from what, what other people's maybe right? <laughs> and having these high expectations that, you know, maybe weren't, weren't reasonable at the time. Uh, but yeah, it is frustrating. It's frustrating when you put the work in and the time to create a, a good program. And then next thing you know, um, you know, somebody's, somebody's way off program posting on their social media, they're, they're off program lifting and then tagging you as their coach. And I'm like, no, don't, don't tag me as your coach when you're not on the program. <laughs> No, 100% agree. I'm definitely not a great client to have. So I, I know how it is. And at this point, I just got to do my own thing. But I think that does make a big difference. Um, so with your training and everything, do you, like what percent of training do you kind of like, do you do conditioning training for everyone? Because I know sometimes something you'll see with some, like a lot of power lifters, the strongman is this joking about like, never do cardio, never do this or whatever. How do you work that in? Or do you focus on conditioning a lot or in work yeah. capacity? I focus on conditioning for every athlete, whether they're a powerlifter or a strongman. So even though powerlifting is just free lifts, just standing there one spot and it's static, I still think conditioning is super important. Number one, like you say, work capacity, the more the fitter you are, the more ability you have to recover from a workout and to actually push harder in the workout. Um, number two, obviously, overall health. The healthier you are, the longer you can push in the sport, depending on what level you are at the sport as well, is more and more important. Um, and just generally day-to-day -day being, being fitter and walking around or getting out of breath, out of breath between your sets, I think it's very important and often overlooked for strength sports. But I think it's coming around now um, and it's becoming more and more accepted that you need to do this. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, kind of that old fat body uh, powerlifting or, or even strongman body style is kind of going out of, I don't know what I want to say. It's like it's it's trending away from, from that for sure um, because I think, yeah, I mean, I agree too. Uh, I spent a long time not putting a lot of emphasis on on conditioning and as soon as i i did actually just all around general athleticism and agility i became a much much better athlete in my opinion um and and yeah it's such it's such an overlooked aspect but you're right i'm seeing a lot lot more strongman and powerlifting athletes doing more kind of cross-functional training more working on being athletes rather than just stationary you know lifters I think there's a huge, huge advantage in so many ways. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's been interesting to see the change over the past few years of like, so watching like on YouTube of Half Thor going from being 200 kilos down to like 150, that difference. I remember seeing some interviews or I don't know how heavy he is right now. Actually, 150 was just kind of a guess. I'm bad at kilo math and everything. <laughs> yeah, he was about 150, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember no, I mean, him getting out no, of here. breath, like interviews and stuff. Like that was the surprising thing is that there was this period in Strongman where you'd like watch them in interviews and they like, get out of breath and like walking and talking and everything. And now everyone in general 
you have to be able to make it through a whole day and do these events that like do, do require like sprint backs and stuff. It's been interesting. Well, let's to see. be let's be honest though. Some of the best Zadrunas of Ixis uh uh interviews were right after he he like he, he competed because his english already was like kind of a little rough right and then he's like breathing uh dude uh and he, i mean those were the best interviews ever dude yeah, yeah. you're like why are, you, why are you actually interviewing right now he, you know he can barely speak english the way it is and now he's like he's he's breathing heavy on top of it but i don't know man. i loved it <laughs> Yeah, no, I think, like, like you say as well, I think it would, um, the fact that Strongman is going that way is good for the sport itself because I feel like it opens it up more to everyday people, which will help grow it in turn because obviously it's always great to see these huge freaks that weigh like 200 kilograms, but <clears throat> seeing the more athletic guys and the people that you can generally look up to and think my physique could look like that or we're a similar size or a similar weight, it will make it more and more open to people wanting to get into the sport, which will drive it to grow and grow, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, one, of my, one of my friends here locally, um, you probably met him at Clash 22, also as Adam Geiger. Oh, he, uh, I mean, he's been, he's been saying that forever. And if you want to get more people in here, we, we got to look the part. Yeah. And I think for, two, for, for U105, uh, or even lighter. I mean, that's a big facet of of the attraction of those weight classes. I think is is showing that not only can we be strong, but we can be fit. Because that's the attraction of of CrossFit, really. Right yeah. at the end of the day, it's just the it's the. I mean, they're the fittest. They get they get crowned the fittest man or woman in the world, right? Um, they're strong. They're fit. They're agile. They're conditioned. Um, and I think strongman has got to capitalize on that and do better. Uh, they're going to get steamrolled by by CrossFit. They're already starting to, in in some regards. Yeah, definitely. I think it makes a big difference of like just overall performance, and I think that idea of like you just want to generally be a fit person because you want what you're doing to actually enrich your life. So I think it's been it's interesting because I saw there was a comment on um, Camby's newest, one of his newest videos where someone was like, I feel like everyone these days is talking about strong man, not being healthy, but like you look pretty healthy, everything. He is looking great and really strong, but I think it, things actually have been trending towards at least like a more athletic, healthier way in a way. I think seeing like people like Martins has been a great ambassador for the sport and everything i remember watching martins do like muscle ups as like a 300 pound person like that's pretty crazy considering i can't do a single muscle up like i think seeing those things and making it more relatable because at the end of the day to tie it back into our previous thing like the we're not necessarily getting good health advice from people above in the media and stuff like that so i think it's becomes even more important of like seeing those people who can kind of inspire you like who I mean, you're young enough that probably most of your heroes would come from like YouTube and stuff like that. Like who are your heroes or the inspiration for lifting and stuff like that growing up? For me growing up, definitely Eddie Hall, with him being from the UK, I always followed him ever since <clears throat> it was just like him, him not even doing well at shows. So for me, someone like Eddie Hall, um, definitely. Yeah, because I saw it must have been surreal to have him actually like watching you lift and everything. At, yeah. uh, was it the Arnold that he was watching you? There's that great clip of like him right beside you. How yeah, that's that? yeah. I didn't actually know he was there. I um, I, they just called called me on, just focused, went straight onto the bar, and then uh, he, I see in the video he just walked up and was standing there. But straight after, I was like, "Oh, that's fuck!" So I just <laughs> went straight off the stage. I didn't even know until someone showed me afterwards. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so being an Eddie fan, I gotta ask: Do you do you accept Thor's deadlift, or no? <laughs> um, to be honest with you, at the time, I think at the time it was COVID, wasn't it? So, yeah, I feel like he would have done it either way in a competition, but they weren't allowing competitions at the time. So, I think he made the best out of the situation, and I would I would count it one hundred percent. The rest, yeah. The ref doesn't even like, they don't like each other, do they? So it's not like you had a biased ref or anything like that. I would take it, yeah. Yeah, 
Awesome, man. Yeah, I mean that's ra- that's a rational response. <laughs> I think I think a lot of a lot of arguments online are kind of irrational because it was a unique time, and yeah. they made the best of it. And and still to this day, my opinion is that uh, I mean both of them were very impressive deadlifts, right? There's no question about it. Eddie was the first to pull 500. Um, huge, huge, huge milestone in the history of strength sports. Um, but but you know then then Thor. Dude, I mean, weighed everything on camera. There was no question what he pulled. It was structured, had such a great uh, uh, um, head judge in, in Ver Magnuson. So, yeah, cool. Uh, but I did notice that that uh, Colin Bryce sort of recently uh, at Giants Live mentioned, like, gives, gives Thor an honorable mention, but then was like, but he didn't do it in competition. So kind of like implying it didn't really count. <laughs> yeah because that's the thing they were uh, they were all saying like oh here's the person who's gonna break eddie's record they were like half Thor has lifted it but it wasn't in competition with an yeah. international judge and i was like i don't know how magnus feels about the international judge like i was like magnus was the person who took away his like scoops or whatever with the viking press like yeah. right he's a, he's a decent judge for that like it was very kind of surreal to hear that of like repeatedly be like can these people break Eddie's record and everything? And I am a fan of like Thor's record and everything, but I've kind of come around to think that he kind of deserves the skepticism for not doing 505. That's that's, <laughs> what, that's my stance on it. At first, because I think like that's really what would have done it. Of like if it hadn't just been just one kilo, namely because he looks so strong. Like I look at, I watched that clip over and over again. The fact that he just stands up with it, no crazy hitch or anything then just sets it back down and like screams and then walks around and does his boxing promo, which I guess was the whole point of the lift at the end. Like, yeah. I don't know a part of me. There's an alternate timeline where he actually did five Oh five or five ten. <laughs> I think, I think five ten was there. If he really had wanted it. I'll be, yeah. Cause I, I don't think anyone could beat half door of like 2018 half door. Like he's he, and like getting up there to there and everything. He, he, yeah. he maybe. He may be back to it, man. He may he may exceed that five hundred one yet. We'll see. Yeah, I was watching that because, especially, I mean, seeing it would be interesting to see what happens of like going to very very lean physique, but still being one hundred fifty some kilos. Like to then putting that mass back on. I think I think it could happen. Yeah, like he, it would be interesting. There's numerous examples of of uh, people taking extended periods of time off from, from strongman and coming back just as strong, if not stronger. So I think, I mean, he knows what he needs to do to get to that size and that strength. And he's already done it once. So we'll see. I mean, he's still not, I mean, how old is Thor? He's 30 or something. Yeah. 30? I think he's so a year older still, than I am. A he's bunch technically of them still like, very young. He's yeah. still technically very young. So I think his best years are, are, are in the future anyway. So, I'm excited to see if he really does make a comeback and, and what, what he accomplishes. I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Yeah. I think it would be good. Do you have any predictions about who's going to be podium at, like, World's Strongest Man this year? Podium. Everything. World. How are you feeling about? Or, like, the, I guess, like, I think, yeah, World's Strongest Man or the Arnold Classic, the Strongman Classic. Arnold's coming, coming fast. Yeah, the fast, the closer one. Uh, Arnold Strongman Classic. What are your yeah, predictions? For, for, um, well, for Worlds, I would say Alexi, Hooper, and Tom on the podium, those three. Um, I don't think Alexi's doing the Arnold, is he? I haven't seen, so I need to look at the list. No. Yeah. I, think I would put Trey, Tom, and Luke on the, the podium at the Arnold, I would say. Yeah, Trey's just he's he's such a nice guy in person and everything, but just also massive, but has like that flexibility and can actually move, which is impressive. Yeah. Especially yeah. just for being such a large guy. Like seeing him in person, it's like and I've seen half the word person and they're both very like Huge. it's intimidating and everything. Because <laughs> how tall are you? I'm I'm only five nine. Yeah, right right about that size. Like it's crazy yeah. to like see people who are a full head foot taller than you. <laughs> so Arnold, Arnold, I just looked it up because I, I wasn't really uh certain of the entire roster, but it looks like 
Luke and Tom, Trey, uh, Kilskowski's going to be back, hopefully. Uh, Pavlo, uh, Mitch Schuper, Bobby Thompson, Rob Kearney, and Maxime are all. And then I don't know who Tom Evans is. That's the last name on there. Um, I feel like I saw him recently on something. What is uh, No, I was thinking he was in Britain's Strongest Man, but I don't think that was Tom Evans. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I mean, um, I'm actually excited to see Kilskowski back. Hopefully, he actually makes it this time. I know he's been trying to come back for the last couple of years, but injuries have been just plaguing him. Yeah. Maybe you don't train heavier than comp weight all the time. That might be the lesson from like Kilikowski's <laughs> training thing. I remember when you, whenever it was interviews, they were like, how did you do this frame carry? And he was like, oh, I did it heavier at home up the same hill. And you're like, okay, that's like, that definitely could make you a champion and everything, but that might not be the best thing to regularly train heavier than like the heaviest weights you're going to do at like. This is, my argue, this is my argument against strongman being healthy right here. Is that you know? Yeah, we can be we can be healthy like cardiovascularly, you know, and being lean and, and athletic. But the the piss pounding that we put our bodies through on our joints and and the spine and everything, it, it's not healthy, man. <laughs> There's nothing healthy about it. But I mean, that's the that's part of the the sport, though. Like if you're not willing to take those risks and put your body, you know, to the to the absolute limit, um, you know, it's probably not a good sport for you. But it's. Uh, it is an extreme sport, and you know that's what's really actually awesome about it. That's true. That's that danger aspect of it, isn't it? Yeah. What do you do for recovery? Like, what's your ideal schedule for like leading up to a comp and then like recovery afterwards? Yeah. So, um, for for general recovery week to week, I have three chiropractic sessions. Um, so I spread those out throughout the week, and then I have one deep tissue massage session. And that will be focused on whatever's kind of niggling on that week the most. And then I like to hit the sauna um, a few times a week as well. I find that really just helps your breathing as well, your general, how you feel. I don't know if there's too much too much science behind it, helping your actual, your muscles recover and that kind of stuff. But it makes me feel great. And I've, I've looked into a lot of the, <clears throat> the, the cardiovascular kind of stuff with it. And it seems to be good. So that's kind of my protocol with it all. Yeah, I think there's the research. The research around like cold baths and 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 sauna, or I think it, it for every one that you can find that's positive, there's one that like maybe negates it. <laughs> I don't know if there's any negative with sauna though. Um, I don't think I've ever seen one with sauna. There's actually some research that suggests that um, 30, 30 minutes. I can't remember how many days a week it says, but thirty minutes. I'd say like three or four days a week. At at eight, at least eighty degrees Celsius, it actually can uh, um, help increase exponentially increase your natural growth hormone production at night, which should lead to good recovery, right? I'm, yeah, I'm, but I'm like, I'm a fan of of hot therapy rather than cold. Like, I think it's invigorating and kind of like a, from like a mental fortitude perspective, jumping in cold water is is kind of a man maker, if you will, <laughs> uh, for lack of better words. But uh, but heat for me, like for muscle recovery, cold doesn't make any sense to me. It's never made any sense to me. Hot makes a lot of sense, and it always feels better for me. Yeah, I, I think uh, cold is it's good for mind training, like you're saying. I, I actually had someone tell me they, they was really good at a car hold, and he said the way he trained for it was with ice baths, just because he, he could calm himself down in that situation. Interesting. Yeah. So, but I don't think there's too much benefits recovery wise. Yeah. I think there's, I think cold is good, like locally. Like if you have like uh, some in, like joint inflammation or something, like wrapping a cold pack or something on that is probably good, um, depending on, you know, how badly injured it is. I mean, inflammation is the body's response to heal, right? So you don't want to, you don't want to inhibit that too much. But yeah, putting your whole body in, in ice water, I just, uh, I know it's becoming popular again here in the U.S. Um, it's always it's always a trend that just kind of cycles in and out, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think because we here in Texas, we have a lot of heat. Like the cold feels like a nice break from everything. Whereas I think if you're in like Colorado and you get a lot of natural cold exposure, I feel like it feels kind of overrated. Oh man, I actually, so we were doing sauna the other day and I went and rolled in the fresh snow that was falling and then, and then jumped in the ice bath. Uh, snow is so much cold. Like the water was outside like for a couple of days while it was, you know, below freezing temperature. So I actually had to break through the ice when I jumped in the barrel. Uh, but the water was warmer than the snow. So. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Nuts, oh, man. Uh, I've never done that much. before, but I may do it again just for the fun of it. <laughs> I'd much rather take heat over snow. Of like, there are some times where it's like 40 some degrees Celsius here, and I'd rather have that kind of heat than like have long, cold, freezing weather. Absolutely. Hey guys, we're we're on like an hour and five minutes. I think you do you have to get back to work, John? Yeah. All right. get probably. Probably. Um any last closing thoughts, Ollie? Like uh maybe where uh viewers can find you. Um, you know, you can plug your business if you want, do whatever, you know, whatever you got. Yeah, no, thank you. So um mainly on Instagram and that's at coach underscore Ollie Clark. So you find me there with my stuff on there and uh yeah thank you guys for having me on yeah man it was a great it was a pleasure man hopefully we can do it again yeah. sometime in the future I'm yeah good. thanks for reaching out to us that was real great yeah man and good luck good luck at uh the under 23 britons man looking thank forward you. to see how you do yeah, yeah. it's real exciting thank you all right support us on patreon or anchor and find us on instagram or Facebook.